Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 17. 1 Samuel chapter 1 and verse 17. Abraham trusted God. God had led him to go to the land of promise. He went to the land of promise. And not only did he uh, find God's blessing and God's support there, but God communicated to him and Abraham communicated to God and God listened to him. I think of the time when he was praying over Sodom. Lord, if there's just ten righteous people, will you deliver the city? Well, there weren't ten righteous people, but what did God do? God answered the desire of his heart. He knew what he was thinking. Lot and his family are in Sodom. (laughs) And so God sent angels to deliver Lot and his family, and the angels told Lot, we can do nothing until you and your family are out of the city. God was responding to Abraham's prayer. Uh, I'm grateful that God responds to our prayers, that he, he cares about our situations that we're in. He encourages us. And Hannah, in this scripture, has gone to God with great burden upon her heart. He, she's poured out her heart with tears, with such a great burden that Eli, seeing her mouth moving and no sound coming out, thought she was drunk. And so she corrects that misperception. And uh, we pick it up here in just a moment in verse 17. Um, But what we need to do is we need to trust God and trust that He hears us and walks with us in the situations and difficult times of our life. And so the title of my message is Trusting in the God Who Hears. So look with me at verse 17. It says, Eli responded, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request that you've made of him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. When Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explained to her husband, After the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear before the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband Elkanah replied, Do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. And so Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took with him, uh, uh, took him with her to Shiloh, as well as a three-year-old bull, a, a half a bushel of flour, and a clay jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked him for, I now give the boy to the Lord for as long as he lives. He is given to the Lord. Then he worshipped the Lord there. Trusting in the God who hears. Um, What do we need to understand so that we can trust God in those difficult seasons of our lives? Uh, We need to know about, first of all, his memory. His memory. Uh, I've known some people over the years, I'm sure you have too, if you ever do something wrong, they will remember it till the day they die. 
and they will repeat it to you. When, do you remember when you fill in the blank? Um, God, thankfully, God chooses to remember our sin no more when we come to him. Uh, when my kids were little, uh, they were the, actually the first grandkids on Sherry's side and were close to the first ki- grandkids on my side. Uh, only my sister's son, Joseph, came before uh, Megan. And so my kids were in the enviable position of having the equivalent of like four sets of grandparents because they had their actual grandparents. And then they also had an aunt and an uncle who didn't have kids who treated them as though they were, grand, they were their grandparents. And so anytime my kids would just breathe something that they might want or that they thought was neat, it showed up at our house. Uh, my kids, you know, the grandparents had this memory, and, and they would remember everything that was said, and they would bring these gifts to our house at the appropriate time. Uh, and so um, God has a memory of the requests that we ask of him. And Hannah had prayed, I'm sure had prayed many times over this situation of barrenness and not being able to have children. And finally, she comes to the point where she's so burdened and she's, she's pouring out her heart to God. And uh, God apparently, based on some of the wording in our scripture passage tonight, had led her heart to pray and then dedicate this child to the Lord. And so um, she prays and God remembers her. Have you ever felt forgotten by God? Have you ever felt like, God, here I am, I've I've asked you again and again and again, it seems like you don't hear, it seems like you don't care. Uh, A season of time had passed in Hannah's life, and if you looked at the outward appearance, it might seem as though God didn't care, but God remembered her. God had a timetable, and and he remembered her when the time was right. God has not forgotten you. You're his child. The Bible says you're the apple of his eye. I love that. Uh, one of the, the images in the Old Testament is the image of God hovering over his chicks. That's how God thinks of you and me. Uh, we are his chicks. Uh, and uh, as, as my wife and, and others in our family have said, don't mess with a mama's chicks. Uh, you know, the mamas take that real seriously. God is, is, the, is the mother bird, to, so to speak, and we are the chicks. And he cares for us, uh, and he remembers our needs. He has not forgotten you. He has set us upon his heart. He has loved us with an everlasting love, the Scripture says. Um, and so you need to understand his memory of you and to know that he never forgets a prayer that we pray. Sometimes I've had God answer a prayer and I forgot that I prayed it. Have you ever had that happen? And then after a while, you're, you're thinking, that was an answer to prayer. It just kind of occurs to you. God remembers it when we don't even remember it. And that's, that's, his, that's his heart and that's his desire. He loves us and desires to give us what we ask of him. Uh, now, God also remembers his own purpose. God had a purpose bigger than just Hannah's problem of of wanting to bear a son. God knew that there was an issue in the land of Israel. 
The people had strayed from God. The country had gone down a wicked path. And now they're faced with a situation where even the priests who were over the country are taking advantage of the people and who are living in sin. And something desperately needs to be done for the people of God. And so God remembers Hannah, but he's also remembering his plan. And he uses this situation to fulfill his plan in his kingdom. Sometimes when you feel like God has forgotten you, it's because he's preparing for his plan in your life and for his plan for his kingdom. God never wastes the times of waiting that we experience in life. So we need to understand that, uh, that God has a memory of the things that we ask him and then he will remember us. So trusting in the God who hears, what do we need to understand? We need to, to know about his memory. Secondly, we need to know about his timing. Verse 20 says, after some time, literally uh, after the circuit of days is what the Hebrew says. Whatever that means. But there was a season of time that passed before God allowed Hannah to become pregnant. There was a certain timetable that God had. Did you know God's never late? He's also not early. He works on his own schedule, his own timetable. Don't you wish sometimes it's kind of like a microwave. You just stick it in there and it's done with your prayers. And uh, God would just give it to you right away. But that's not the way God works. God has a timetable. And sometimes God knows that if he were to answer your prayer at the moment that you asked, it would do more harm than good. Uh, I remember a, uh, a situation one time where uh, there was an individual in, in the church, uh, not this church, but another church I pastored, who was causing all kinds of destruction and, and trouble in, in the church of God. Um, he would offend people. He yelled one night, yelled across a parking lot at one of our church members who was, had parked in the lot and to go over to play softball and said, why are you parking your car in our lot? You know, and just, I mean, he was constantly doing stuff like that, constantly causing problems, had people leave the church. Um, or, and then I, I remember the first, the first week I was there, somebody came into my office, fit to be tied, madder, madder than a wet hen. I just, just about this guy. I didn't know who they were, what was going on. I was brand new. And, uh, but I remember there was a, there was a person that told me, they, he says, you're shirking your leadership. You need to deal with this guy. And they said, they said you're, not, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And I went and I, I prayed about it. And I, I said, Lord, am I shirking my leadership? Do I need to deal with this guy? And I felt like God was saying, Keep your mouth shut and let me take care of it. And so I waited. Some time passed and uh, through a series of circumstances that I won't get into, this individual was dealt with in our church. But it happened in such a way that God prepared the people for what was going to take place. Even so, it was still a very hard time in our church. Um, but the way that God did it prepared our church to enter into a time of revival. Uh, and I realized going through that season of time, if God 
had answered my prayer, and I'm sure the prayers of many others in our church, that, Lord, do something about this guy. Uh, and, and he hadn't waited for the right time, it would have caused all kinds of trouble that I didn't even realize at the time. Um, I'm sure you could probably think of some things in your life. I remember when I was a teenager, I prayed to God for a red Corvette convertible. And uh, God probably gave me a mercy not giving me that. I have a little bit of a lead foot sometimes. And uh, being a teenager, it probably would have been that much worse. But uh, uh, God has a timetable for our lives. He knows what's best for us. He also has a timing for his kingdom. And he knew that Samuel needed to be brought to this place at this time for his purpose, so that when God dealt with Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas in one day, Samuel would be ready to take the reins. He knew exactly where Samuel needed to be and where he needed to be spiritually at that time. God had a timing for Hannah's life, for Samuel's life, and he's got a timing for your life. You say, well, what's the timing? I don't know. Isn't that frustrating? Don't you wish you knew? That, you know, sometimes I wish I knew, and then sometimes I'm glad I I don't know because sometimes ignorance is bliss, right? The timing of things, there may be other things involved. But God always has a timetable, so we can trust in the timetable of God. And, And here's the thing. Sometimes we have an idea of what needs to happen in our lives, right? Or in our families or in our church. And God knows that things don't need to happen that way. And so God fashions things the way he desires it. And brings it about in his timing. And it can be frustrating to us. Well, Lord, here I've asked you, here's my plan. God, I've asked you to bless my plan. It's not my plan. And so sometimes God has a timing for things because he's going to do things a different way. And he knows, he knows that the way he's going to do it, there, there needs to be a certain timetable to that. And so God brought it about at exactly the right time. So trusting in the God who hears, what do we need to know? We need to know about his, mem- his memory, his timing. Thirdly, his power. His power. Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. This is a miracle. This is a woman who couldn't have children. Now supernaturally, in answer to prayer, she can have children. You say, well, uh, I think she got a hold of some fertility drugs. Well, you know, it's amazing to me. People always try to explain away the miracles of God. It used to frustrate me. I'd read the commentaries on Exodus, and they always had an alternative explanation. Yes, it had to happen this way. As though God is not in control and can't do it any old way he chooses to do it. He's God. He can do the supernatural. But, but here's, the, here's the thing. With his power, he raises Hannah's womb to life. And she becomes a picture of the virgin-born son of God and his mother Mary, who conceived without a husband, without a man. Supernaturally, a miracle. Over and over again in the Old Testament, this situation comes up. Woman can't have children. God opens her womb, she has children. And it's usually a significant individual in Israel's history. And then the ultimate situation comes about with Mary and Jesus so that God can show, hey, this is the most important one of all. And he performs a miracle that is just amazing. Uh, 
This is the power of God. Uh, you can trust in the God who hears not only that he'll act at the right time and that he remembers your request, but that he can do whatever you ask him. He is that kind of God. He has all power. Jesus said, you have not because you ask not. What might God do if you had the boldness to ask him for it? I read a book a, a few years ago uh, called The Aladdin Effect. And uh, it was a book about just asking for things. And it was, it's a business book. It had nothing to do with God. But basically the, the power of just asking people for, for, for what you desire. And how that can open doors and so forth and so on. And uh, well that may be true in business relationships. But can I tell you something? It's so true in spiritual uh, situations where we ask God of things. What did Aladdin do? He, he read the lamp, right? And the, the genie comes out. When you ask God, there's a, whole lot something, there's a whole lot better than Aladdin and his genie. The God who created the heavens and the earth delights to move to action to answer what you've asked of him. And he has all power. Not only did he open her womb so that she could have a son, but he also gives her a special son. She asked God for a son. She said, I'll dedicate him, Lord. He gives her over and above what she's asked for. Have you ever had that happen where you ask God for something and he gives you something better? Uh, sometimes it may be he doesn't give you what you originally asked for, but he gives you something even better instead. But in Hannah's case, he gives her what she's asked and then gives her additionally... Samuel as a, as a son. The one that God is going to use to completely turn around the situation in Israel. What a blessing it must have been for her to have Samuel as a son. Now the Bible doesn't tell us really any of the, the situation other than that she and Elkanah used to bring him clothes and so forth on an annual basis as they'd come uh, to do their worship there in Jerusalem. doesn't really tell us a whole lot about their relationship but there must have been a great amount of blessing she experienced in her life through this special son that God gave her in answer to prayer. Can I tell you, God's gifts are the best gifts. His power is such that he can give us exactly what we need. Look at verse 23. Her husband Elkanah replied, Do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. And may the Lord confirm your word. Some manuscripts say his word. It's the same difference. Because Hannah's word, Elkanah is saying, I recognize this as something that God wants to accomplish. May the Lord confirm it. Uh, but it is actually his word. Who was it that laid upon Hannah's heart the request that she should pray? It was God. Elkanah recognizes this. So Hannah has prayed for this. Hannah... Hannah and Elkanah now are saying, may the Lord confirm your word, his word, his plan. You see, this isn't just Hannah's plan, this is God's plan. Sometimes we forget the most important plan is not the plan we have for ourselves. Uh, Proverbs says, in his heart a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. God has a greater plan. 
And so this plan of God is the most important thing. God may do something through your life that may seem very insignificant at the time, but that may have lasting consequences for your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. You believe that? You believe that somebody who is obscure and in the background, you ever felt that way? Lord, no, nobody knows my name. Nobody, you know, what difference can I make? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. God can use obscure people. I think Abraham probably felt obscure. Here he is. He's the only, he's the only person in this strange land. And, you know, he's, uh, okay, God, you've led me here. And uh, you've told me you're going to give me a blessing. But, boy, I sure feel alone. What's going on in my life, you know? Uh, Abraham made a simple choice to obey God. And God used that choice of going to this land of promise to begin to unlock all kinds of blessings for Abraham. Abraham saw some of it. He got to see Isaac and see Isaac grow up. But there's a whole lot Abraham didn't see. Abraham didn't see the Israelites multiply into a group that would later go on to Egypt and stay in Egypt 400 years. God told him all about this, but he didn't see it. Then They'll, they'll be delivered. They'll go to the land of promise. Ultimately, through your seed, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You and I, who know Jesus Christ today, are part of the promise God made to Abraham. Abraham never saw that. But it came as a result of Abraham's obedience to God and his prayers to God as he walked with God. Um, God has a plan. Ours is not to determine all of the different things that are going to happen. Ours is just to cooperate with God's plan, to say, yes, Lord. Maybe even to wait in a season of our life where we say, you know, I sure would like to see God do this, but I've asked for this and God doesn't seem to be doing this, so I'll trust Him. And in those waiting seasons of life, I, I, I can remember uh, my parents, when my dad surrendered to preach, I was 10 years old. And uh, they, they left a, a church that, that had a lot of stuff for kids um, and came to a church basically that didn't have anything for kids. And they were really worried about us. Thought, you know, are our kids going to get what they need? And um, can I tell you, that little country church was where I came to faith in Jesus Christ. It was one of the most significant spiritual times of my life in those formative years of my, of my spiritual journey. Uh, God has a plan for us. Can God take care of your kids if you follow his plan? Absolutely. Can God take care of the concerns that you have about your future? Absolutely. I remember Johnny Hunt uh, talking about going to this church, he'd, he'd, uh, he didn't know how he was going to make a living on the salary that they were offering, but he went in faith. He felt like God wanted him to go there, and he said there was an individual in the church who would come up to him every Sunday, shake hands with him, and inside his hand would be money. And, and uh, Johnny said, I like that guy. <laughs> so every Sunday he had money for him. And God provided his need. Listen, he was in the middle of the plan of God. 
As we follow God's plan, Elijah followed God's plan, didn't he? He's, he's running. Uh, Jezebel's killing the prophets of God. God tells Elijah, go out to the brook uh, Kareth. I'm going to uh, command the ravens to feed you there. And so he's, he's, he's out there all by himself. <laughs> ravens bringing him food and drinking from the, from the, uh, the water that's there. God protected Elijah in the midst of the in the in the midst of God's plan. Um, Jezebel couldn't kill him. Then Elijah gives a prophecy about the, he gives the prophecy about the rain, and so he's he's at the brook and the brook dries up. God says, "Go see a widow in Zarephath." And the widow's preparing the last meal for her and her son so that they can die. And Elijah comes and says, give me some of your meal. Would that tick you off? I, I think it probably would get on my nerves. You know, who do you think you are? She says, this is the last meal. We're going to eat this and we're going to die. Elijah says, you feed me and God will take care of you. And so she gives him some of the food. And God miraculously takes care of the widow, her son, and Elijah during the years of famine. Ahab sending people everywhere looking for Elijah. They're trying to get a hold of Elijah, you know, trying to seek him to kill him. But God has protected. He's in the middle of God's plan. Can God provide for you? Absolutely. In the middle of his plan, trust in the God who hears as you call upon him. As you surrender to his plan, he will fulfill his purpose. And of course, we know that Elijah after that season of time of God's provision, goes and they have the context with the prophets of Baal and God sends fire from heaven and the people shout, the Lord is God, the Lord is God, and they bow the knee to God once again. And Elijah says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. And God once again gave his blessing. You see, God had a plan for Elijah. It was a plan that involved some, some weird things, some provision that you wouldn't normally expect. But God provided for him in the midst of his plan. He accomplished the purposes that he had for Elijah's life. May the Lord confirm his word. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he prayed these, these words, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus is wrestling the cup of the wrath of God. He, that's the thing, you know, the nails weren't the things that scared him the most. The crown of thorns didn't scare him the most. The wrath of God, the justice of God, the fury of holiness poured out for the sin of all men for all, all time would be poured out upon him in that moment on the cross as he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what Jesus was dreading. Losing fellowship with the Father. Facing the wrath of God. And yet in the garden, even though he was struggling, he said, not what I will, but what you will. What's he doing? He's surrendering to the plan of God. And you know... The story how he went to the cross. Listen, God's will may not always be pleasant, but it will always matter.
and it will always bring a reward. Peter says, uh, you have an inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you right now. He's writing a letter to, to people who are suffering. He says, look, all this suffering that you're experiencing for Christ, can I tell you something, Christian, right now in heaven there's an inheritance for you. It's already in the divine bank of God waiting for you. You just need to trust Him and continue on in obedience. Trusting in the God who hears, you need to know about His memory, His timing, His power, His plan, and finally His means. His means. Verse 28, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. That phrase, he is given to the Lord, can be translated a couple of different ways. And one way it can be translated is he is asked for Yahweh. He is asked for Yahweh. Praying according to the will of God. In other words, God laid upon Hannah's heart to pray that Samuel would be dedicated. Give me a son and I will devote him to your service for his lifetime. This is what God laid upon her heart. So she asked this on behalf of the Lord. God asked for Samuel, so she asked for Samuel. This is the means that God has for accomplishing his purposes in this world. God has chosen to use prayer according to his will to accomplish his purposes in this life. And so Hannah's praying under the direction of the Lord... And God not only gives her what she desires, but God fulfills his purpose in this world. Uh, my dad used to have a, a thing hanging on his wall in his office that said, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When you think about your life and you think about making a, a difference... The greatest difference that we can make is to live right in the middle of God's will for our lives and to pray in accordance with His purpose for our lives. That's where significance is. And Hannah prays this prayer. And here's the thing. Hannah fades into the background and you look through the rest of Samuel, you're going to see what Samuel does as a great prophet of God and, a, and the last judge. And you're going to see what David uh, some of what Saul does, but then Saul turns away from God. You see what David does and, and the great uh, feats for God that David does as he's been anointed by Samuel. But listen, all this started with Hannah. Praise God for the godly people who cry out to God in prayer. Only heaven knows what they unleash. And because of Hannah's prayer, Israel's history changed. Can I tell you something? God has given a promise to the land of Israel, but I believe it applies to all nations. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
How many people did it take to turn the world upside down in first century Israel? Just a few. Twelve apostles. Uh, a group of about 120 on the day of Pentecost. Doesn't seem like a lot of people, does it? Didn't just change Israel. It changed the whole known world. Even Rome, the center of the world's power, was transformed by Christianity. Touched by Christianity in a powerful way. It started with a small group of people crying out to God in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. And a fire fell. The Sanhedrin couldn't stop it. The Romans couldn't stop it. Hell itself couldn't stop it. Because God unleashed his power through his people. As they cried out to him. This is the means that God uses. To change the world. Trusting in the God who hears. You need to know about his memory. His timing. His power. His plan. And his means. And as you trust him. God will make a difference through your life. Call upon his name. And if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, you can trust him to save you. Jesus died for your sin and rose again. And the Bible says because of what he did, God will give us a gift of salvation. Um, We surrender to him in repentance. We receive that gift in simple trust. And God wipes away our sin and gives us a relationship with him. You can trust in the God who hears. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a promise of God. Trust in the God who hears. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for being the God who hears us, who delights in us. God, many times we don't understand the circumstances of our lives, but you always do. Give us the grace to trust you and to believe that you hear us when we call to you. Lord, also give us the grace to pray according to your purpose and your plan. Help us cooperate with you as we pray under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, as we pray your word. And God, change things through us.